Podcast Network Asia. My born again moment would be that breakup. I was driving and crying, and I was just like, "God, I'm so sorry. I know this hurts so much because it's my fault." Um, from now on, I'm gonna put my relationship with you first before anything else. Yeah. You don't want to be in a relationship that you're gonna feel uncomfortable about your faith. You don't want to be in a relationship where you have to hide it or feel embarrassed because you're expressing it. Does sin hinder blessings and answers to prayers? There are prayers that God will not listen to because you are full of sin. So your prayers are full of sin because you're praying with a sinful heart and you're praying for sinful things. And then I remember friends saying, hey, if you want something Pray for it in specific, but I get shy because, you know, Instructor Aaron, like, I once wanted this guy. I mean, I can't just tell God, hey, guy. No, me too. Me too. I prayed prayed for guys I've wanted. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, Dorito. Welcome to the Narrow Door Podcast. It is episode number 169. I'm Sam O. Tina Ryan is in the house. Instructor Aaron Russo is here, of course, from Shinshanji Church of Jesus. Our guest today, so Mika here wears a lot of hats. Mika, you are a host. You are a theater actress. You are a model. You're a vlogger. You also own a restaurant called The Nest in Tagaytay. I am so exhausted for you, girl. How are you doing? Um, You know, I get asked that question a lot and I actually don't know how I juggle things, but I also work for Kumu. Um, I don't know if you oh, heard about it. The, the streaming app. Streamer as yeah. well. You're a streamer too. I'm wow. not a streamer. I'm, I'm... Oh, you work for Kumu. Yeah, I handle a team of 30 wow. people. I'm the director for campaigns and virtual gifting. Oh, gosh. Oh, okay, she's not goodness. too busy. <laughs> wow thank you yeah, for coming to the show time on my hands you know wow and you managed to look this fresh doing all of that <laughs> thank you i went to the instagram page of your restaurant again it's called the nest right yeah. it's so okay so the heat in manila right now for those of you who who are not in the Philippines, it is absolutely ridiculous. It is so hot. Like the thought of stepping out strikes fear in my heart. I don't want any, I don't want anything to do with that. And so when I looked at your restaurant, which is in Tagaytay, you know, which is like, you know, a summer favorite, it's much cooler up there because it's up in the mountains and stuff. Um, so I was like, oh my goodness, this would, this would be a really nice spot to go to, which then got me thinking about the whole restaurant thing. I checked out your menu. You know, you have all day breakfast. You guys have pasta, sandwiches, um, dessert, coffee, you know, good stuff. How did you decide your menu? Because I was like, if I were to open a restaurant, what kind of food would I offer? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. that, that's easy. Cause I cook, I cook and I bake. Oh, So actually all of the recipes, um, that are on the menu were more or less my recipes. Get out of town. Go to Girl. the get out of town. Really? <laughs> so it took it took a while for me to like, we're still kind of adding stuff to the menu. But let's say, for example, pancakes. It took me 12 different pancake recipes that I tried and mixed together before I finally came up with a perfect pancake. So every single recipe on that menu has to pass my standard or else I'm not going to put it there. Wow. 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 And I mean, you have a lot of stuff on your menu. I'm assuming they all went through that quality check before it landed on the menu. Mm -hmm. Goodness. Now I'm interested. Like, are you like me, Mika? Like, when you develop recipes or like that perfect pancake that you're talking about, 
Is it because of the taste or yes. do you combine it with like a certain memory? Because I, I'm more of like a memory. Like I try to recreate a recipe that um, like, you know, I yeah. ate somewhere. Yeah. In, so in the t- past. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tina makes the best chili I've ever had. And she cooked it because she was thinking of San Francisco, like a bowl of chili that she had in San Francisco. Right? Yeah. Right? That yeah. Does. That's very so, interesting. It's very ratatouille, right? Like ratatouille. Mm, yeah, that yeah. Triggers memories. For me, for me, it's different. Um, I don't go by memory, but I notice that the restaurants that I like frequenting are places that I feel like I can't make what I order. So it's like I'll keep visiting it. I can't make it. And it's like, oh my sure. God, so good. So yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Instructor Aaron, if you were to open a restaurant, like what kind of food would you like to? to sell you know i actually thought about that when i was younger I like, to, I like to cook when i was younger a lot yeah actually i thought about actually having a restaurant that was split into uh this is years and years ago maybe like 25 years ago they have things like this now but that was split into like three parts and it would be you walk in and it actually would have you would choose which which place one would be like mediterranean another one would be like italian and then maybe french things like that and when you go sit there the entire ambiance is that and you can actually mm. have music that's that's uh, split. So it, it, as soon as you step over a certain threshold, you no longer hear the music in the other section. Now you oh, only wow. hear the music that's there. You can you, you can do um, you know acoustics like that, you know pretty well. And, and so that's mm. what I always thought about is when I was you know thinking about having a restaurant. But I've worked in them for so many years that I don't know. It's just there's such a volatile place. You really have to have a lot else going on. So it's really. I just can't. Is there anything you don't do? I'm just curious. Is it? I know, <laughs> like, right? Is there things you've oh tried? That you're... <laughs> before, the pandemic, before the pandemic, I couldn't play an instrument and that frustrated me. Um, Did you pick up a hobby over the pandemic? I learned how to play the ukulele. Oh, my daughter's my. playing the ukulele now. That's so what? fun. Easy? Is it easy? It's, it's super easy, but I always have to play it in like the key of C. Yeah, more or less, like you just need like five chords, six chords, and you can play a bunch of songs. Wow! Oh my goodness, that's amazing. I feel, yeah, uh-huh. I feel like such a slacker. So we're gonna shut yeah, this like, down now. She wasn't busy <laughs> enough, right? She had to fill her time with something else. That's what. Was... Right? Oh, How? Well, I know, How? but you know what, Sam? I have a kalimba at home that I bought pre-pandemic that I never got to use. So how about you use? <laughs> I wish I knew what a kalimba was, and then I can be excited about that, that's it. That's the one that does that, right? The, the finger piano. piano. What are, are we texting? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Again, Isa, you know, spoke very highly of you, and one of the things that she said was that you're very vocal about your faith. You're very active in ministry. And, you know, I want to hear, we want to hear this story. Um, and I know that you were born again, Christian, right? Um, you know, tell us about your journey. Um, how did, how did it start? Okay. So I grew up, um, you know, I was born to Catholic parents and I, I remember I was going to Catholic church, like up to three or four years old. And then, when you're that young, you don't really know the difference between like, oh, this just looks like a different church. You know, there's no crucified Jesus statue in the middle. And so, you know, we, we transitioned and started going to board again church, but to me, it was all, oh, it's church. Yeah. The other, the the Christian church, I mean, the born again Christian church was just a little bit more fun because, oh, we, we got to sing and do crafts 
nights and and they had Sunday school. So like a uh, kids church, like a version of church for kids that I that we didn't have in the Catholic church. So um, I, I don't really know when I started to realize that, oh, it's a completely different, um, you know, religion and, and, and stuff like that. But I, I felt like there, there was a time where I took my Christianity for granted because I just, I, I somehow grew up in church, right? So youth, like the youth group from Sunday school to youth group and getting involved in ministry. But then I would see people that would start to become born again Christian that had like a past, like, oh, you know, they were super druggies and all of a sudden they're in church and they're like crying, hands up, oh my God, like my life has completely turned around. And for me, I couldn't quite, like I kind of, I guess felt jealous of what they had that that kind of that kind of faith because I never experienced the other side. So I I keep I I go out like I go party and I'd see like the pastors kids in bars, you know, mm. and we'd all be like, "Ooh, is this your secret life?" You know, we joke around about it. <laughs> and we all felt the same way that, like, "Oh, how come you know there are people in church who um I are just a little bit more radical. They're just a little bit more sold out with, with faith. And, and um, I guess for a time, I felt like I tried to, okay, you're still a good kid, Mika, but how far can you go that you're not actually sinning? So I felt like I pushed my limits. Um my limits dated somebody who wasn't a christian got my heart broken and then i remember my born again moment would be that breakup i was driving and crying and i was just like god i'm so sorry i know this hurts so much because it's my fault um from now on i'm gonna put my relationship with you first before anything else because for the longest mm. time growing up in a, in a Christian home, my mom would always tell me if I was dating somebody that wasn't a Christian, she would always be like, the Bible says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. Like, <laughs> we, would, we would fight about it. I'm like, I don't like any of the boys in church. Right? So it was always a point of conflict. So yeah, when I got out of that relationship, I realized the importance of, you know, of why it is, very very crucial to date somebody of the same faith and the same values and the same beliefs so that's when I really decided okay god I'm gonna put you first I'm not I, I remember even telling myself okay that's it I'm not gonna date anybody um until I feel like I'm so whole in god and and yeah I got involved in the worship team so I I've been with victory fort for maybe 20 years oh wow wow years? yeah because every time i get my heart broken i would just get drunk even though i don't even drink <laughs> <laughs> i never have instructed aaron like oh, i'm gonna turn to god all these years I don't, I don't ever remember a time turning to god and asking for like hey lord take this pain away maybe one time 
No, I really, I really, no, I, I, now that you mentioned it, I actually really said that. I said, God, um, I know I'm hurting because it's my fault. Make mm. this pain go away faster. And I am just going to like devote the rest of my life to, to like serving you and, and all of that. So, but, but I did, I mean, Tina, don't get me wrong. I went through, you know, the breakups before that were, all right, let's go out and drink. Next, please. Instructor Aaron, I mean, the Bible talks a lot about, yeah, like what uh, Mika mentioned earlier, what her mom would say, you know, don't be yoked with, you know, unbelievers. Is unbeliever the word? Why does it sound odd? That, that's really what it says in the Bible, though. Okay, yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, and, you know, when we look at, like, Bible history, there's a lot of, we see a lot of people who got involved with, like, Gentiles, in the Bible, which would, you know, lead to um, destruction or them worshiping other gods, you know? Um, what is my question? I don't know. But maybe you, you want to talk a little bit about that? Like, what do we see in the Bible about this? But yeah, the verse that she's talking about, it's in Second uh, Corinthians. And it's actually been kind of controversial for a lot of people because they'll say, well, you know, how do we get people to believe? Aren't we supposed to be able to reach non-believers and try to bring them to the faith, you know, and I'm sure that's probably what, you know, Miko was thinking at certain times too, you know, like maybe I can help this person come to know God in that way. In the old Testament, it was really a physical thing, you know, physical Gentiles. And the reason, unfortunately, the reason was because the people that actually believe in God, especially in the old Testament at that time, they were really, really weak. Spiritually, they were very, very weak and they were really full of, you know, sin. And they were in a, a situation where like everything around them was different gods. Every nation was greater than them. Every nation was more powerful, um, more appealing, you know? So what God was saying was don't intermarry with them because they're going to turn your heart away from me. So it wasn't the fact that they were non-believers. That was the problem. If they were non-believers and they just, you know, let the people live their life and be one with God, but they still love that person and took care of them. I mean, ultimately they have to be responsible for their own life of faith and their own spirit, right? What's going to happen in the end. But the problem is that they were taking people away from God and they would start to turn their hearts away. And that's actually like the, the largest sin in the old Testament was, you know, when King Solomon actually betrayed because he was the King. So if he did it, then basically all of Israel, you know, followed suit. And what it was, was that he was meant, you know, marrying Gentile women and he started building a lot of altars for them and allowing them to worship any way that they wanted. He began to worship that way. And so as a result, that's what happened. And the only problem I would see, like, I, I've never had a problem with people that, you know, I don't know, have feelings for people that are believers or other people of faith or things, but it can cause more pressure on a relationship. So if you aren't able to talk about it ahead of time, if you're not able to set boundaries, right, and respect each other's like beliefs and understanding and not try to harm each other, then it really can cause a problem. But if you can do that, I've seen, you know, people have very successful marriages their whole life and their children are grown up basically being able to choose what kind of faith that they want. They just are introduced into a lot of different understanding. So it really has a lot to do with like the maturity level of the people that are involved, you know, the kind mm -hmm. of boundaries that you set. And of course, if they respect each other, you know, yeah. if they really do respect each other's faith. So, yeah. Do you find it difficult to be vocal about your faith and 
unapologetic about the faith in 2022? What's that like? Before, I guess before, because my circle of friends also, they weren't Christian. Like when I, because I, I used to go out a lot. Like I loved clubbing and partying. Yeah, and, yeah. And obviously um, the lifestyle that came with it, right? And And I can't be, I mean, they would always tease me as, oh, you know, Miss Goody Two Shoes and stuff. Um, but now, now I'm, I'm super not, super not. I don't find it um, difficult to really profess my faith on social media or, or what I'm thinking. I feel like when you have so much of, of Jesus in you, it, it really just overflows, um it it's it's weird i used to not like to pray and like oh this is so boring i have to I have to read my bible it felt like a religious checklist mm. before and um now though it's different when i get home i don't even feel like i want to watch netflix it's like oh i get i have time i'm gonna read my 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 bible or i'm gonna open a christian book or i'm gonna sit and worship and it just didn't feel like that before i don't know what changed i guess i just wanted to get to know jesus more and more so now i feel like it comes so naturally to talk about him because mm -hmm. i'm so filled with with him that's like that's what i consume um a lot of people, because because usually volunteers just your roster, let's say twice a month to sing, right? But I find myself asking like the people coordinating, oh, okay, is there a service that doesn't have a worship leader this week? I'm free. And I, I, I feel like I look at it as purpose. Like this is why God put me here on earth for, to lead people wow. to worship. So why will I get tired of it when it feels like it's the most important thing for me? And mm. I look at it as if I'm a car, I need to gas up. And that's me gassing up. Wow. I love that analogy. And hearing your speaking voice, I can see how you'd have a beautiful singing voice as well. Can you guys hear that in her voice? Right? You can I'm imagine. just wondering if she plays the ukulele when she's up there too. Ah! Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, ukulele skills are quite basic. <laughs> You're getting there, right? You're getting there. <laughs> because Mika today comes bearing questions, mm. right? Um, when we asked her to join us on the podcast, um, I asked her if she had any questions that she wanted to ask you, Instructor Aaron, because you answer our questions based on the Bible. And, you know, I feel like we're all just kind of journeying through the faith and we can all get a little more guidance. Um, based on the word of God. And so let's get to that. Does prayer speed up God answering faster? Do you mean so, like, if the, like the, the, the more, the we more pray, you pray about something, does it speed up God, God answering the, your prayers? The granting process? Yeah, the granting process. Mm. Prayers are something that is very, very emotional for a lot of people. And also... Uh, something that is very sensitive. So when I'm talking about prayers, I always like to be very careful, you know, who I'm speaking to. Uh, I like to know more about what they feel about prayers, because some people don't feel them to be very important. Other people, they're the most important thing. So that's something I think is really important to just, you know, know about a person first. 
And then the, the thing you really want to understand is, okay, well, what are prayers used for? Like, why are prayers necessary? What is it that God desires from our prayers? You know, you have these ancient Greek mythologies that say that there are certain gods that gain strength through their subjects' prayers and things like that. And that's just, that's nothing to do with Christianity, right? It has absolutely nothing to do with it. Prayers are something that is, you know, ingrained in our, our faith and our worship as an act that we can show God our faith. That's really what prayers for us are meant to do. They are meant to show God that we do actually believe in him. You know, how do we actively show God that we believe in him? Something just for him, not for people around us, right? But something that is just for him. And what we can do, it's what's referred to in uh, like Romans chapter 12, our spiritual act of worship. Because in the Old Testament, what did they do to show that they actually were worshiping God? They would sacrifice animals. That's A burnt what they offering. Yeah. Burnt offerings, you know, um, grain offerings, all kinds of things like that. So they would offer physical things. Well, we don't do that in that sense. You know, yes, maybe we offer tithes and offerings and things like that to the churches or stuff or give like maybe to uh, different charities or things. But these are all things that are given to the church or they're given things, you know, for the people here. But a prayer is something that is being lifted up to God, as it says. So there's a really beautiful verse in Psalms chapter 141, verse two. It says, may my prayers be set before you like incense. It's really beautiful. In the Catholic church, they have that incense. Uh, oh, that they go through. Yeah. Yes. And have you guys ever wondered like why they have that, why they have incense at all? now that you've mentioned it <laughs> yeah, it's something that goes way back it's actually back before because usually when you think about incense people think about buddhism or hinduism or things like that but actually it's within the faith of christianity even further it goes all the way back to the temple of moses which is mm -hmm. three thousand five hundred years ago you know and the the buddhist like really the the buddhist teachings only existed around 500 years before christ you know, so about a thousand years before, you know, Buddhism, and they would use it as something that God actually desired. He told them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to burn this incense in this special way and make it in this special way. So they would do that. And then they would, the, the actual aroma and all of the smoke would cover them. And then they could walk into the most holy place and be close to God. So you carry this over to the time of, you know, like the first coming and Jesus himself talking about the temple, all these things become something very spiritual. So then we start to ask, well, what is, you know, the incense? What did it really represent? Because everything in that tabernacle represented something spiritual, right? In Hebrews chapter eight, it says that it was a, a copy and shadow of what's in heaven. So when you look at in Revelation, there's two verses that really kind of uh, make it clear. Revelation five, verse eight, and Revelation eight, verse four. And it says that the people's prayers are like incense. Wow. People's prayers are like incense. Now think about why it's, it's something that comes from your heart, right? It's something that you're supposed to use the word of God, which is like fire, right? Jeremiah 5, 14, my word is like fire. So God's word is supposed to be like that fire inside of you that lights the, the incense of our prayers, if you will. And then the smoke is lifted up into heaven, right? The smoke rises up. So our prayers are like going up to heaven as a pleasing aroma. Remember, oh, Sam, we talked about being a favorite. pleasing aroma, right? Yeah. Pleasing aroma. 
is my phrase of the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what our prayers are meant to be. They're meant to be something that is actually pleasing to God. So going back to your basic question, does our prayers help God or would it cause him to actually, you know, act upon those prayers? If it is a prayer that's pleasing to God, and if it moves, you know, God's heart, then of course he would want to act upon it. If it's a prayer that's going against him, right, or a prayer that's actually harmful to his work or something that is, you know, not according to his will or his thoughts, would he really act on that? Would he want to act on that? So the question is really not a yes or no question. It really depends on your prayer. Are you praying in line with God's will? Are you praying something that God, that actually moves God's heart? And if that's the case, then of course, God, just like a, a parent to their child, if a child is asking their their parent for something, begging their parent for something, right? And it's something that the parent really wants to give the child anyway, they're going to they're gonna work that much harder to get that child what they want. But if it's something that, you know, really they don't want the child to have, no matter how much they beg for it, right? You're not going to want to give that to your child. I have a question for you guys. Mika, you can be the first one to answer. Have you ever prayed for something specific? You prayed for it so many times, but God did not grant it at all. Yes. And, oh, like, and how did you feel? Like, how many times did you pray for it? Was it, you think, in, uh, in line with God's will? And did he grant it? I guess, okay. I, for, for, for a time, um, when I was very, very active in theater, um, as a lot younger, I felt like I was still trying to prove myself in the space. And I would be so close to getting roles. Like, so close. And then all of a sudden, it's given to, like, the producer's like niece or oh. or it's given to um like a, a, a child of an art of a celebrity an artista so there came a point wherein i i wouldn't say mad but i had tampo i was tampo yeah. at god and i would be like what here i am living my life properly and righteously and you're giving all of these jobs to these other to other people how come, why not me? And, and you know, a bit entitled and bratty back then. Um, and I would pray so specifically, so specifically. And I, it, it, I would come so, so, so close. Like it's just me or the other person. And it happened several times. And it happened for commercials as well. It happened, it happened in anything I had to audition for. And then um, I read a book. Uh, Joel Austin's It's Your Time Now before he became controversial. So I read that book and that book taught me how to um, look at my prayers as, okay, don't, don't be a brat and be entitled. Just keep thanking God. Like at the end of the day, say thank you. He doesn't give it to you, you say thank you. Um, so, so when my attitude changed, when I started to thank him for like, Let's say me not getting a project. Like, okay, Lord, thank you. I know you have something better for me. After my attitude had changed, I kid you not. Like doors, so many doors opened. Oh, I booked wow. like 32 commercials. Whoa. Like, and it 32. Moved. Yeah, like lead roles. Lead roles. Give me that book. No, I'm just kidding. After, after my attitude had changed. Because mm. I started to thank him for whatever that came my way. It was thank you, Lord. Thank you because I know you know better. You, mm -hmm. When that changed, like the results also changed. So I feel like he was just really building my character. Um, mm. 
And now I know that every open door is from him. Because if I had gotten everything I had wanted at the time that I had gotten it, then I'd probably think, oh, you know, I'm so talented. Mm-hmm. But, but, but because with my own strength, none of these doors opened. When I finally just said, okay, God, I let go. You take the reins. That's when everything opened. Now I know that everything that, that opens up for me is from him. And now he's glorified. Yes. Amen. And I, and I, and I remain humble. Amen. Because if, if it was the other way, then I wouldn't be. Right. You might, you, like you said, you might've thought it was, you know, your own. own yeah. yeah. I always tell people whenever they're asking me about, you know, prayers or how they should pray, you know, first I always tell them, you know, of course, God is not our personal genie. You know, right? We're not supposed to rub the Bible and, and say, you know, God, give me a new car, that type of thing. We're not. <laughs> yeah. But pray wrong. Do, they, a lot of people are taught that that's what they're supposed to pray for because there's certain verses in the Bible that say, you know, whatever it is that you desire, pray that in my name and it will be given to you. Right. And so they look at that verse by itself without looking at any context and they say, well, it tells us we can pray for whatever we want. But that's not actually what that's saying there, you know, and I'll get into that in a minute. But what I always tell people is, if you're going to pray, always say, if it's your will, Father, right? If this is your will, then please allow this instead of, will you do this? Will you do that? Because you don't know if it's God's will or not. And so why would you want to accidentally even pray against something that is, you know, against mm-hmm. God's will for you or for the people around you or, or who knows? So if you just add that little bit, just like you're saying, it's that, it's, it's that like paradigm shift, if you will. It's the way that you think about it in a little bit of a different sense. Instead of asking for it just directly, you're saying, okay, well, God, if this is what you desire, allow this to happen. You know, whatever it is that you want in my life, you know, Proverbs, uh, you know, 16, nine, where it's like directing your steps, you know, that's the most important thing. We may plan our course, but God directs our steps, you know, that type of thing. The, the times that I can count that I prayed so hard is because I wanted something. Hmm. And that I cringe to this day when I think about it. But I still, because I still don't know how to pray. And then I remember friends saying, hey, if you want something, pray for it in specific. But I get shy because, you know, instructor Aaron, like I once wanted this guy. I mean, I can't just tell God, hey, guy. Oh my gosh, no, me too. Me oh, too. I prayed, I prayed for guys I've wanted. Yeah. Like, and that's and that's the answer that I gave you when I said no. Like that's what he did not grant. And when I and at that moment, it was very frustrating for me, and I couldn't understand because I thought my intentions were good. Like, you know, I wanted a relationship that was pleasing to him, but with like with this guy, you know, can I have it with this guy, right? And it just wasn't happening. But I look back at that now, and if that relationship actually happened, I mean, I wouldn't have done this podcast. We wouldn't be here sitting you know, and, and to having these conversations. And I love doing this. And so when I look back, I can see there was a purpose to all of that. Um, and just going back to like, you know, asking God about, you know, whatever we desire, like, I guess there's an angle of, because he's our father, right? And, you know, we get comfortable with our fathers and we can speak freely um, to our father. But I don't know, sometimes I feel like maybe there's a lack of that, maybe like proper respect that we should mm-hmm. give God as well. Um, well that fear as well. Like if you yeah. really, we should have that love. We should always have that kind of relationship of, you know, father, child, but the Bible is very clear. Reverence. Yeah. There's the word. Yeah. Perfect. You know, yeah. and that fear we have to, we have to know he is our creator. 
Mm. You know, and we have to always have that, that little bit of fear that helps us to, it says it's the beginning of wisdom, right? Fear is the beginning of wisdom. If you have that and you base your faith on that, not that you live your life of faith according to fear, that's never what I mean. But if you have that inside of you, it keeps you proper. Does sin hinder blessings and answers to prayers? You know, that one is also can be a bit of a complicated, it's never just a yes or no, because there's different types of sin within the Bible as well. So there is sin that is forgivable, right? Sin that doesn't lead to death is what it says. Like first James chapter five talks about, you know, if your brother commits a sin that doesn't lead to death, we're supposed to try to help them to repent. And that's what we can do. Like there's repent. That's what repentance is all about, right? We all are sinners. None of us are perfect. Anyone who claims to be is, you know, really That'd be amazing if you ever found someone besides Jesus, right? Um, so we're all we're all sinners at some point. We all have sin within us, which means that when we're praying, of course, we're always going to have it from that kind of point of view, right? Where that sin is actually there. But the types of sin, are we sinning out of ignorance? Are we willfully sinning, right? Are we sinning because we don't care? And you know what, God, I don't care whether or not you, you like what I'm doing. I'm you know, just going to continue what I do. And I'm also going to ask you for stuff at the same time. Or are we sinning out of ignorance? Because we just don't understand what it is that God really desires. And we may be acting against it out of our own you know, ignorance. That's very clear. That happens a lot in the Bible too. Until God makes something known. Right? All the disciples that Jesus actually called, they were all sinners at that time. They did not follow God properly until Jesus says, actually, this is what God desires. So then they were able to repent of their sins and then become even closer to God. But there are sins that as well, one in particular that is unforgivable. And that's in Matthew chapter 12. It's called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Right, And that is when you are actively going against God and God's plan, God's purpose, knowingly, not out of ignorance, not out of just mistake, but knowingly actively trying to destroy it. You know, that would be like what, you know, of course, Satan had done or what the Pharisees and scribes did when they were, you know, going against or speaking against the spirit that was working through Jesus, things like that. So in that case, okay, and this is where some things get a little bit controversial because some people believe that God listens to every prayer. And, you know, I just want to apologize to anybody that I offend at this point, right? Before I get oh, into the Oh, gosh, here we go. But the Bible, I, again, just as you said, Sam, I, I really just speak from the scriptures. And so if anybody doesn't, you know, believe that this is there, then please go look for yourself, like where these things are. But in Isaiah chapter one, for example, he's talking to his own people. God is talking to his people. And he says that you have rebelled against me, right? Isaiah chapter one, you were my people. You're no longer... I'm no longer considering you my people. You are full of sin. Your hands are full of blood. I don't want anything to do with your worship anymore. I want nothing to do with your sacrifices. And actually, it's really pretty crazy. But he says in verse 15, Isaiah 1, verse 15, even when you prayer, when you offer many prayers, I will not listen to you. Mm. In Proverbs 15, it's something very similar. It says that he is close. He hears the prayers of the righteous, right? He's close to the righteous but he's far from the wicked, right? He doesn't listen to the prayers of the wicked. Now that a lot of people are like, what do you mean? I don't understand why, you know, how does God not listen to those prayers? But just think about it from his point of view. Like, again, God is not our servant, right? God is our creator. 
God is not a slave to us and has to listen to every sinful prayer that we offer God, right? He doesn't have to do that if he doesn't choose to do that. God wants to hear righteous prayers. That's why he teaches us how to pray. That's why Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. But there are prayers, and this goes back to your question, Mika, that there are prayers that God will not listen to because you are full of sin. So your prayers are full of sin because you're praying with a sinful heart and you're praying for sinful things. Now, is that normally what happens? No, because people are trying to be righteous. But there are people at this time, you have to remember God's people were actively worshiping other gods on purpose, knowingly, mm. right? So think about it in that way, because I know where you're coming from. It's not, it's not the same thing. The, the, the question that you're asking is more of like just us in general. If we have sin within us, is that going to stop God from listening to us? And that's a little bit different than what I'm saying. I'm just showing that there are examples in the Bible where it's very clear that God is, you know, not listening to those unrighteous prayers. But when it comes to us, none of us are perfect. And so one of the first things that we do, one of the first ways that I pray is I always start a prayer. I'm, I'm thankful to God for everything that he's done for me. You know, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything that you've done. Thank you for this day that you've given me. You know, God is the one that gave us this day. Every breath that we have, it's a gift from God. So I begin by thanking him for everything. And then I ask for forgiveness for anything within me that is not righteous, please, God, look at me and look upon me with mercy and forgiveness, for I know that I'm not perfect, and I know that I'm trying to be. And then I will begin to pray, you know, about things that, you know, maybe I'm, I'm working towards, you know, God, please help me like tonight, please help me to be able to speak your word clearly. Please help me by sending your, your spirits to be with me so that I'm not doing this of my own, but I'm, I'm here to be able to glorify you, things like that. You know, because we are, we do have sin within us. We're not perfect. So will it stop God from listening? Only if you choose not to even be, you know, repentful or humble or contrite, right? Those types of amazing words that we can use for ourselves, you know, penitent, all those fun things. Um, but if you really have a heart where you, you know, you really love God and you're trying to do this for the best of God, then... I think that that would be really pleasing to him. Let's move on to your final question. And my final question. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I think this came up like very briefly on an old episode that we did. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to what instructor Aaron has to say about this. Go ahead, Mika. Does God change his mind? Why did you think of this question first? Yeah. Why did okay. you come up with this one? Um, hmm. So, um, I, I, I don't know if you've ever encountered, I don't know if you've, you've, you know about this instructor, Aaron, but you've heard of the gift of prophecy, right? Like the gift of prophecy. Yes. Yeah. It's one of, the, one of the gifts that Paul talks about that people have speaking in Spiritual, tongues, prophecy, spiritual. interpreting. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So I like, I, I have it. I've prayed for people over the years that I don't know. And I feel like the Holy spirit tells me and mm. I tell them and they're like, how do you know? And I'm like, I don't know. I hear it in my heart. And um, so there are certain things that I feel like I, you know, I've asked God and I've prayed for, and he's, you know, the Holy Spirit's confirmed it. It's just that, um, 
you know how when doubt steps in because it hasn't it just hasn't happened yet but it's clear that you hear it and it, you know that that's what god is telling you but doubt steps in so um yeah it makes me kind of think does god did god change his mind or free will god's will if you end up doing your free will and not following god's will does god change his mind right so going maybe in a, a larger sense first um i'm i'm a pretty practical person when it comes to uh, trying to understand god there is there's different ways that people try to understand God. And a lot of people try to do so through their own thoughts or their own emotions and things like that. And that can be very difficult because everybody has their own, you know, their own thoughts. You're a chef. Okay. So if I gave each of you, right, the same exact ingredients, but I didn't tell you what to cook, you would most likely come up with three different dishes. Mm. It would be really, really, really rare that you guys would come up with the exact same dish. Right? This is a challenge on MasterChef. You know what I mean? There you go. So there you yeah. go, right? So if you think about that in the same sense, if you don't have a standard as to what it is that I desire with the ingredients that I give you, then you're I'm leaving it up to your own interpretation and your own thoughts. Maybe as you talked about, um, you know, things that you are either cooking that you can do, that you know that you can do well, or things that remind you right? The ratatouille that we talked about earlier, things that remind you of your childhood. So you're doing something according to what your thoughts are. Now, that's something that we have to be careful with when we're talking about God, because people try to understand God according to their own thoughts. Now, going back to what I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm a pretty practical person when it comes to understanding God because of that. So I think of a standard and the standard for me is the Bible, right? The Bible becomes the standard. So in the Bible, does God change his mind? And this is where you have to get an understanding of what do you mean by uh, what is it that God is actually promising or what is he planning on doing? There are promises in the Bible, prophecies in the Bible that God promises will take place, an absolute promise that he's going to do, a covenant, if you will. In that case, no, God does not change his mind, right? Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie or that he should change his mind. Right? So he does not change his mind when it comes to something like a prophecy. Why? It's written in stone, as it says. So, for example, we are living in the time of the second coming. So there is revelation. Revelation is full of promises and prophecies. It is detailed. 22 chapters, 404 verses. These are written in stone. They must come true. God is not going to relent. He's not going to change his mind about every single promise in the Bible. So when you look at like the story of, of Joshua, when he brings them into uh, the promised land, right? Moses was supposed to, but of course, didn't quite make it. So then Joshua brings him in. And at the end of Joshua, in Joshua 23 and 24, it talks about how every single promise of God has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Not one has failed. So when we talk about that, then the answer to your question is, no, God does not change his mind when it comes to his promise. But does God relent? Does he warn about a pending doom or something that's going to happen and then change his mind? Yes. The story of Jonah is a very perfect one. What's the story of Jonah? Jonah was chosen by God to go to Nineveh and tell them that God's going to destroy you. God had it in his mind to destroy Nineveh. 
but the people all repented. And as a result of that, God relented, mm. right? He was going to destroy all of his people because of the sin that actually happened in the desert. But then Moses stands between God and them and says, take me instead. Save them and write me out of the book of life. And God's heart was moved. And so he relented from, you know, killing them all. So in that sense, when it's not an absolute promise given by God that must come true, yes, God can actually, I, I wouldn't really call it change his mind, but alter the outcome. So now think about it in the, the personal sense that you're talking about, right? The personal sense. My only issue with anything that it happens to do with that is that I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know the exact details all the time. It's not perfectly clear to me, which is why I am so open to allowing God to make sure to move me in the right direction. And if things change, they change. So I can never say that this job that I have, I know God wants me to have it or, or I'm about to have, or this person, I know God wants me to have it. I may desire that. I may feel it. But I, I don't know God's thoughts. I can't break into his mind and have him tell me. So I'm always cautious about that. I'll just put it that way. So I think I've told you this before, Sam, but the way that I kind of live my life of faith about things that come into my life, if it's something that's helping me to be closer to God, if it's something that's helping me to understand God more according to his thoughts, understanding his promises, understanding his will, then I know that's something from God. If it's something, no matter how glorious it may seem in the world, how amazing of a blessing it may seem to people, if it's taking me away from God, if it's not allowing me to live my life according to God, the way that I know God desires us to live, then I just, I can't see that as something from God. Because we also have to realize there is that other entity in the world that constantly wants to lead us astray. And he doesn't do it like you see in the movies where he's coming with a, you know, a, top hat and a really slick jacket and here sign this little contract and I'll give you everything you want you know it's not it's never like that right it's never like that it's he masquerades as an angel of light people yeah so that's why knowing god's will is absolutely the most essential all three of the questions that you gave that you that you're asking every single one of them can be boiled down to that one thing if you know absolutely what God's will is, then everything in your life, all your prayers, all your worship, everything is going to be according to that. So one of my absolute favorite verses is 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, this is the confidence that we have when we approach God, that everything that we ask for, he hears us because we pray according to his will. Mm. Beautiful. But of course, you have to know his will. And that's why Understanding Revelation, understanding the New Covenant, understanding the Bible is the most important beyond anything else. It's the most important. I, I love how you tied the three questions together too, Instructor Aaron. Like, <laughs> you know, everything. You notice. <laughs> super cohesive. Just like one more thing, because I know we have to wrap this up, but is, is repentance God's kryptonite? Like... <laughs> You know, from the stories that you've told us about how right. God is open to altering maybe a little, you know, here and there when he sees that the people are truly sorry, that they're really yeah. repenting, you know, like. That's the beauty of God. After. That's the beauty of God. It's, it's, 
I don't, I wouldn't consider maybe his, his kryptonite, like his weakness, but it is, <laughs> it's his, um, uh, it's, it's Love. one of his, yeah, thank you. It's one of his best attributes. It's forgiveness. Mm. And if you, if you look at like um, Ezekiel in the scriptures in Ezekiel, when he's told to go to the rebellious house of Israel, it says, if a person that is a sinner, if they turn from their evil ways, I will forgive them. Right? I will forgive them. That's all he wants. In Isaiah, um, I mentioned, you know, about Isaiah 115, it says, I won't listen to your prayers. But right after that, he says, but if you repent, if you come back to me, I will make your, your sins clean as white as wool. I will wash you. I will cleanse you. So God, that's all he desires. Wonderful. Thank you so much for answering our questions instructor Aaron you know as always based on the well, I hope I hope it was okay these ones are hard prayer is very it's a very very sensitive you know and so I was trying to be a little cautious but at the same time I want to at least be able to you know give truth from the scriptures so you yeah. know I, I take it back to what you said earlier instructor Aaron about how some people don't believe in prayers because I used to not even pray at all but I find that praying is a common factor for like you know, like friends of mine who are not in the same religion, you know, like, mm. or even like with little faith life, but they, for some reason, prayer is something that would uh, be mentioned. And I think it's like what, what um, I think it's like the only thing that connects them to God somehow, mm. you know, regardless of what their faith journey is. But right. I feel like if they pray, oh, okay, then, you know, God must be listening or there is a God if you're, if you guys are following me. So it's almost like we're wired to pray, but we don't realize it or acknowledge it. Like it's almost an, an instinct for us when, you know, we, when we hit, hit rock bottom or when we're in a difficult situation, like spontaneously, you will look for God and, and offer up a request or you know, a little prayer. Um, but I think as we learn more about what the Bible says about it and how to pray and what is righteous prayer when God hears it, you know, stuff like that. Like there's definitely more depth that we can get into about this stuff. Yeah. And Mika, I want to thank you so much for bringing these questions to the podcast. Like that was really enlightening for mm. us and I'm sure for all of our listeners as well. And I think it really set the stage nicely for the next episode because you know, as your last question said, does God change his mind? Instructor Aaron started talking about prophecy and that's what our other series road to revelation is all about. And we're going to have, um, we're going to talk about three kinds of Israel. Um, apparently that is in the Bible and figures in the prophecy that we find in the Bible. And Mika's going to join us for that conversation as well. Mika, how do we find you? I mean, of course you're on Instagram, right? Um, where else do we find you? Um, Mika Pineda on Instagram and on YouTube, actually on all platforms, uh, Instagram, YouTube, I am on Kumu as well, but I don't really go live. Um, but yeah, you can also find me there. Just M-I-C-A-P-I-N-E-D-A. Mm -hmm. We'll put all the links down below in the show description. And if you guys want to email us, the narrow door podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget healing leaves with instructor Aaron, the dog behind the human podcast with Tina Ryan and dog coach Francis. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. <laughs>